right, we've got a special promotion for the faithful listeners of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Here's the deal, Jack. <laughs> We're taking an impact team to Pastor Paul and Deanna Alvarez in Lima, Peru. <laughs> they let us know that they need some equipment. We'd like to give you a chance to help us buy them a new iPad and a new smart TV for their children's church. Our goal is to raise $1,000 for these items, and we think you'd like to help. So here's what we're offering. So here's what we came up with, guys. When you donate $30 or more to this fund, uh, you're going to get a six-month subscription to the premium podcast at no additional cost. And when you donate $50 or more, then we're going to give you a full year. How about that? Yeah. You'll get all the benefits of our premium sermon podcast, which means daily sermons, interruption-free listening, and zero commercials. We'll get new subscribers out of it, and Pastor Alvarez will get some new equipment to help with what God is doing there. Uh, we think it's a win-win-win. <laughs> uh, this promotion will only last until our impact team, which is happening toward the end of June. So don't miss this opportunity. But wait. Pastor Adam, Dave, what if, what if I'm already a premium subscriber? I'm so glad you asked. Well, so we are going to pass to you, those of you who are already paying for a subscription, we can give you a gift subscription that you can pass on to somebody else out there who always wanted to subscribe but never got around to it for whatever reason. Right. So all of the links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to being a blessing to you and to Pastor Paul in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys. So I said to him, no, I'm, I'm pretty confident I'd probably go to hell. And so he held my hand and said, come, 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 pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer with me. So I prayed with him in that moment, man. That was August 10th, 1996. And I gave my life to Jesus on the Mestex of the USS Enterprise. I tell you, man, I'm telling you, man, Adam... That Hayes Gray boat never looked so good. I, I stood up, I was I was I was smiling, I was laughing, I ain't never felt so good in my life. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Hello, hello. Pastor Adam here with you. And uh, it's a beautiful, sunshiny day down here in uh, in Sanford, Florida. And uh happened to be down here uh, for the Pioneer Rally. And uh, so it was a great time. And one of the people I get to see when I come down here is our guest for today's Testimony Tuesday, and it is Pastor Orlando Patterson. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. 
Well, yes. Uh, and anyone who had listened to our previous podcast knows you already. We had you on for a couple of episodes, but um, thought it would be great to to have you on here for uh, for one of our in-depth testimonies. And so, Pastor Patterson, for those who don't know you, why don't you give yourself a, an introduction and let the people know where you are and where you're pastoring and, and how long you've been there. Uh, my name is um, Orlando Patterson. I'm my wife, Vanessa. Uh, we are over on the Arlington side of um, Jacksonville. Um, I have been in Arlington now for about uh, three, three, four years, actually, four years. We went over there. We got a small church over there. We've started over a few times, but in this current endeavor, we've been there about uh, three years, three to four years. Praise God. So, uh, and you're out of the Jacksonville church, right? Yes. Um, yep. Jacksonville. Yeah. Pastor Ron Meyer. Okay. Florida, Jacksonville, so, Florida um, church. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, well, we want to, we want to hear about you and, uh, what, what is the story that brought you to where you are today? So, uh, I, I know that you had come originally from Jamaica. Is that right? Is that where you grew up? Yes. Uh, that's where I was. That's where I was well, born. I went. I went back and forth in my earlier, in my childhood. I went back and forth a bit until I ended up staying in America in about 1988. Oh wow. Okay. So tell tell us a little bit about your family life. What was it like growing up? And and uh, what what was uh, what was your experience? Okay. Um, I was born in um in uh, in Kingston, Jamaica. And up until the age of five, I, I stayed with my mother. Now, we do have a, a big family. Um, I, am, I am number seven of nine. So um, we were definitely not a, not a Christian family. And um, we, I didn't, we didn't, uh, you know, any, any only time you heard about church or God is, is when somebody needed something. So anyway, uh-huh. um, <laughs> by the time I was um, five years old, my mom and my dad were not married. Um, it was your typical, um, my father was high society, my mother not so much. Um, two met and things ensued. Um, they had a what could be considered a relationship, and I was the result of that. So my father, in an attempt to get me a better life and get me into a better situation, um, actually kind of tricked my mom. I was supposed to be going to New York to spend the summer with my grandmother. So he came and got me and, you know, fed her this line. He's going to go meet his extended family, blah, blah, blah. And so I left to go to New York. And um, uh, we started back school in Jamaica in September. So my mother is, you know, contacting him, trying to figure out, okay, we got to make plans, you know, get him to, to get him his school clothes and uniform. And my dad just kind of was like, oh, by the way, uh, the boy's not coming back. And so I ended up staying here in America from that point forward till I was about, I want to say 10, 10, maybe 11. And um, my dad proceeded to seek legal residency for me here in America. And whenever you begin that process, uh, uh, sometimes in my case, they, they maybe have to go back to Jamaica to go and, um, you know, get this process done. Well, consequently, as I'm going back to Jamaica, my mother was coming over to America. So we're passing each other. And I didn't see my mother from age five until I was about 
14 years old was when I, you know, got back with my mother. Um, and that was after I'd gotten my green card, gotten permanent residency. And uh, my mom kind of did the same thing with my dad. It's like, okay, uh, Uncle Sam was like, well, as long as the boy has a green card, when you're a kid of my age, when you have a green card, Uncle Sam wants you to live in America. And so mm -hmm. um, they were getting irritated with my dad because, you know, hey, the boy has a green card. He needs to stay here. So my dad had no intentions of having me stay in America. Now he wanted me to stay there, go to school there. But by this time, my mom had had set up shop in America. And so uh, it's kind of funny because um, she came to um, my grandmother's house and said, well, you know, hey, I want him to spend the weekend with me. And so I'm getting a couple little items together to go spend the weekend with my mom. And she's like, what are you doing? Grab everything. So I'm, a, I'm still oblivious. I'm not sure what's going on. So I said, she said, just, just grab all of your stuff. And so I'm like, okay, okay. And so I grab all my stuff and she tells my grandmother, we'll bring him back Monday or whatever. So I get in the cab, we get to her house. She calls my dad and goes, oh, by the way, the boy's not coming back. So oh, wow. that's how I ended up staying here staying here in the that's states crazy. and so wow so that that's <laughs> so a, anyway a, seems uh, like a, a lot of bouncing around so when you, you weren't staying with your your mom and your dad who, who were you with all that time okay so when i lived in jamaica i stayed with my father's baby mother so he has he has one kid with my mom and one kid with another lady and one kid with another lady Wow. So my sister, my sister now, or you guys would say half sister, um, uh, he, she's the youngest. And so apparently he, that was the last relationship at that point. So he kind of brought okay. me there and basically told her, Hey, this is my older son. I want him to stay here with you. Um, I don't know what, what, what was the, the lines he shot her, but I ended up staying there with her. And that was a rough ride. My friend, that was, that was, um, that was not a pleasant experience in a lot of regards, you know? I wasn't um, her child. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask, why was it rough? And uh, because you were not part of her family, essentially. Well, okay, I think the plan was to, was to kind of have me there, and my dad was supposed to come, and we were supposed to be a family. But um, my dad kind of had other plans, and... Um, the situation was less than conducive, you know? And when she realized, I guess the plan wasn't coming, she wasn't a bad lady. We, we're, we're, we're good friends today. Uh, you know, I, I love her, um, but around, it was just hard. You, you'd hear certain things like, mm. well, you know, I don't have to put up with you. You're not my child. I don't have to, because I was, you right. know, I was essentially a, a bad kid because I was, I was still confused about a lot. Like, where's, I know my mom is not dead. Where's my mom? And why do I have to stay here with her? Mm -hmm. And, you know, okay, fine. These are whatever people, but, I don't, you know, where's my mom? And that was always my yeah. argument. So I, a lot of confusion, a lot of, you know, and then you add in, you know, kind of growing up and, you you know, that all that comes with that. And it was just, I, I was a problem child and felt horribly unwanted. No one really wanted me around because it's, um, matter of fact, just, 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 uh, I, I, as I got older, you know, this, this feeling of being a square peg in a round hole, uh, didn't really go away till well into my salvation and my, and I begin to, you know, uh, get converted, but it, it was rough because I always felt like 
no one wanted me um no one wanted me around and 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 uh, this horrible feeling of rejection was always lingering wow. wow so so that was uh that was all through your your younger years and then getting into high school and then uh and then finally you were kind of reunited to your mom is that right I'm sorry. Are you still there? Again? Can you hear me? Okay. I'm here. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, I so now. yeah. Okay. For a while there. So when, no problem. So when when you uh, when you were a teen, you were then reunited with your mom, uh, and that was back here in the states. It was that New York City? Am yeah. I getting that right? Yes, I, I I got reunited with my mom at about 14. Um, but that but for lack of a better term, by then the damage was done. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, I had already drawn a lot of conclusions on life and perspective. I had my own way of thinking. So, again, even when I got with my mom now, um, it was it was still a, the, the ride continued to be rough. I was a problem teenager, uh, you know, I began to hang and kind of discover girls and um, hanging out with some of the wrong people. My mom was always, you know, she wasn't very well educated. And she really wanted me to, to, to get an education and to, and to, you know, be better. But mm-hmm. my, my plan was to hang out with these criminals and these miscreants. And, and for that reason, uh, me and her were always butting heads. And so I remember one, I remember one, um, one instance where I had gotten arrested for, for grand theft auto. Oh. And, um, and <laughs> I was about 15 years old. And what kind of made that situation so memorable was that my my friend that I went with, um, he was teaching me. That was my training session that night. I was being discipled in that moment <laughs> to, uh, to, 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 to to steal cars. And so we he was holding discipleship class when the cops showed up and um, he ran and left me. This was my first time I, I was scared to death. I turned around and I was look, and when I, I dipped in the car and tried to hide. Hopefully they would just drive off and chase him and then I could just slip out. But when I decided to slip out, I turned around and I was looking down the barrel of a gun and this lady was shaking. I was, I, I, I knew I was going to die that night. If I would have flinched, if I breathed too hard, that lady was going to shoot me. So I just held my hands up and just kind of froze. And then, you know, it slowly came out of the car, threw me up against the hood before I knew it. My buddy was back, threw him up against the hood and off the jail we went that night, and um, and and so long story short, by the time we got to to court, <laughs> he tried to blame me that it, I was the mastermind, I was the one involved that that got him involved. He was an innocent bystander. I mean, it was so funny because the judge stopped the trial and said, "Are you kidding me? This guy, this kid, Charles Smith, has a rap sheet the length of my arm, and you expect this for get that out of here." And so my, my public defender slipped me a note right there in the, in the courtroom, said, do yourself a favor, stay away from Charles Smith. And um, so I and so, you know, that's what ended that friendship it was a it was a real eye opener. Um, by mm-hmm. then, I had met um, who would become my wife, Vanessa. This was in the eighth grade. I met her. And and she wow. influenced a lot. Uh, she was not a, not a Christian by any stretch of one's imagination. But she wasn't with the foolishness. She was on a very productive path, you know, get a job, blah, blah, so on and so forth. So um, 
you know, that was a big influence. And, and, and the second big influence was my mom uh, was, was serious. You are going to the military. And we fought back and forth with that for the longest until finally she won. And I um, mm. ended up joining the Navy right after I graduated high school. Sail away. Yeah. And so that's how <laughs> I ended up in Jacksonville. So, so with, with that, my, 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 my girlfriend or my wife, she joined the Navy as well. She was stationed in Virginia. Oh. I wanted to go to Virginia, but there were no orders to Virginia. That was a, sh- a shocker. Everyone was shocked that there were no orders. I, I, I passed like second in my class. So I got to pick number two and there were no orders to Virginia. So I was like, well, when, where is the next best place, closest place? And they said, well, you can go to Cecil Field. I said, where's that? They said, Jacksonville. I said, where's that? They said, in Florida. I said, there's no Jacksonville in Florida. I had to get a map <laughs> out to find the place. And so um, I located it there. And so, you know, that's where I ended up getting stationed. Um, you know, we went back and forth for a while. They ended up, you know, my, me and my wife ended up, me and my girlfriend ended up getting married. And they moved there down to Jacksonville. And so long story short, after all of that, 1996. I'm okay. going on my first med cruise. By this time, my marriage was was let's just say when I was going on that med cruise, I wasn't I didn't expect to come back and have a marriage. Wow. Um we were married for 2 years. I was 19 years old and we were married for 2 years at this time. Um I got married when I was 19, I'm sorry. So by this I was about um 2021. 20, mm-hmm. And my marriage was shot, you know, infidelity on my part just just foolishness that I had done. And I, and I knew that, you know, uh, my marriage was shot. And so I got out on the Navy ship and we're over in the Adriatic sea. And I remember one night, it was a weird night. I worked night shift and night shift on, on, on an aircraft carrier works different than day shift. Anyone who works on a boat will tell you it's a different animal. It's more lax. It's just totally different. So anyways, I happened to be there and I was, um, it was slow. I didn't have any engines to work on. I was a jet engine mechanic in the Navy. We didn't have any engines to work on that night. So I ended up walking down to the, the electronic shop, had some friends down there that I knew. And I was just roaming about and I got to the shop and there was a guy in there named Russell and Adam, he was dealing with this kid. He was down there preaching. I had never heard anybody preaching. He was dealing with this kid. He was he was chopping some serious wood and I'm standing. He wasn't even talking to me. I'm standing off to the side and I'm listening to the conversation. I'm listening to what he said. And I'm like, ouch, 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 ouch. The kid he's talking to was, was, was not even there. And I am receiving all of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm pondering, you know, so I'm hearing words I've never heard for the, in my life words like born again, you know, you need to be saved. I'd never heard those phrases in my life until this point. And so I'm sitting there and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing all of this stuff and I didn't do anything. And I, you know, so what I did, I started talking to other people. Same night, I started talking to other mm-hmm. people and they kind of, ah, well, you know, and, and kind of, you know, watering it down. But I couldn't shake what I just heard. And so I walked back to the other end of the boat. I said, I know what I'm going to do. There's some other dudes that I know down at the other end that, you know, they be going to church. Let me talk to them guys. And so I'm talking to this guy 
um, Floyd. And Floyd was like, man, I, I just got saved myself. I don't really know too much about the questions you're asking me. And um, as God would have it, another guy walks up that was more seasoned and stopped us in the conversation. He just totally overlooked all my questions. And he was like, well, before we go into any of that, the question is, are you saved? Or have you accepted Jesus? And I was like, ah, no, no. And I kind of blew it off. And um, I'm with another guy that goes to Church of Christ, you know, and he, him and I were walking together. So anyways, we ended that conversation. The guy said, you need to really look into this and whatever. So here is where God is so good because I walked away from those two guys. My mind was, was spinning a million miles an hour. And so I decided to go down to go get something to eat. Now, you got to understand why this is so crazy. Because on an aircraft carrier, um, we have lunch. It's called mid-rats, or we call it mid-scraps. Okay? So it's basically leftover food from earlier. And hardly anybody's normally down there eating at night. So I said to my boy, Russ, I said, man, let's go. Ross, let's go eat. Um, you know, this is a lot. And my brain is... It's, mm. So we go down to the, we, we get into the line to go get lunch and the line was long, which already was weird because normally you, you get in and out. So anyways, we get down and we get down into the lunchroom. Finally, it's packed at them. And again, it's weird. It was packed and there were only two seats available. And we sat down next to a guy, Chief Ham. Chiefs and enlisteds don't, chiefs and lower enlisteds don't eat together. They have their own lunchroom. Right. So him being there hanging out was, again, weird. So anyways, I sat down beside him and I started to eat. And that man, out of nowhere, just turned around and looked at me and said, young man, let me ask you a question. If you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? And the whole world just stood still in that moment. And the only thought that crossed my mind was, um, well, maybe if I you know, start doing this church thing and my wife sees that, she would look at me different and I could probably salvage my marriage and, you know, and she could see me as a different guy. That's the only thing I really cared about. So I said to him, no, I'm, I'm pretty confident I'd probably go to hell. And so he held my hand and said, come, come, come pray this prayer with me, pray this prayer with me. So I prayed with him in that moment, man, that was August 10th, 1996. And I gave my wow. life to Jesus on the Mestex of the USS Enterprise. I tell you, man, I'm telling you, man, Adam, that Hayes Gray boat never looked so good. I, I stood up. I was, I, was, I was smiling. I was laughing. I ain't never felt so good in my life. And even though my friend was like, man, you, you're not saved. You got to get baptized before you can be saved. I said, listen, man, I don't know, but let me just have this feeling, this moment, because I feel real good right now. Wow. And wow. so did, I was wondering, so that's, did, so that's how I did you have um, any, any religious background? Did you go to church? Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. 
we remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three. Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four. Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Growing up and stuff or? or no. You know, what played no, into that? No. Not no. at all, huh? There's no religious background. I mean, we went to Catholic church. I was an altar boy. But wasn't nobody saved. I mean, you know, I'd leave the club and go, you know, it's such an abomination. I'm drunk, half drunk. I'm because in New York, you know, back in those days, I mean, it, you know, I was I was a young teenager, but I was still had I was able to get get alcohol and stuff. I'd, I'd go to the eight o'clock mass and I'd be drunk sitting there on the platform. You know, it's, you know, nobody took that stuff serious. We just went because my grandmother made me go. Ah, uh, so. The the praying grandmother strikes again. She'd been praying for you, hadn't she? <laughs> I I I don't really know. Um, she is a whole different story by herself. She didn't um, like I say. Jamaica is a lot like India in the caste system, but not as loud as India portrays it. But it's a lot of caste system, and my mom was not from the proper caste. So with that being said, um, she loved her son and she was willing to put up and put up with me, but she didn't put any stock in me. Her words to me was always, you will be dead or in prison by the time you're 26. And she would tell me that constantly. She hated my mother. And um, so that was my grandmother. Like I said, she's a whole different story by herself. Wow. Well, I'm curious what yeah. what you think um, the the influence of the your Jamaican heritage had on your upbringing and and uh, I mean, for those who are in the audience who maybe don't know a whole lot about Jamaica, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what that is. What do you mean, my um my cultural background? Well, yeah, just uh, what what kind of influence did that have on you as you were growing up and then into your early life as you were getting saved? Well, um, oh, gosh, my when I came when I when, when I when I when I came to America, I was I was still very much Jamaican. I didn't really assimilate um, until long after I'd gotten saved. Matter of fact, my culture was more of a hindrance to me when I first became a Christian than anything else, mm. because you don't just, it's not, you know, it's a, it's, it's a serious patriotism. They're, they're very patriotic. They love their country, all things Jamaican, you know, and I was, in, I was into that because in New York, in the Bronx, every other person is a Jamaican. So it's like being in a watered down version of Kingston. 
when you live in New York. Right. And my accent, when I first came to the church, no one could understand me because my accent was so thick. So I remember <laughs> Pastor Meyer used to be like, you got to slow down, brother. We don't know what you're saying. You have to slow down. <laughs> and so, so oddly enough, when I got saved, um, one of the things that God dealt with me about off the bat, he, um, he, he basically, I remember I had a, a license plate on the front of my car with a Jamaican flag and it said hundred percent. Okay. So there was no doubt what you were dealing with, you know, and there was a okay, flag right. in, in, in my, on my visor um, said had a Jamaican flag. And um, I remember God dealing with me. I was on the Navy base and God said, what do you want to be known as? Do you want to be known as the Christian guy or do you want to be known as the Jamaican guy? I said, well, I want to be known as a Christian, you know, because even before I got to the fellowship, I was so excited. I would, I would try, tell everybody about Jesus and, you know, in, 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 the, in the best way I knew how. So God says, how would you have, you said, what do you want? How do you want to be known? I said, I want to be known as the Christian, the, 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 the Bible guy. And he says, good. Take the plate off your car and take the flag down. And that was mm. a big, big, big deal. I, you know, and, you know, I, I stopped listening to reggae music because reggae is not just music for us. It is our identity. It is who we are. I mean, this is, this is serious business. And when God dealt with me, he said, lose the music, lose the, the license plate and lose the, pl the flag. And let's go from there. And that was a huge hmm. step. Um, for me. Wow. So that that was um, part of your identity, like who you are. What what other uh, what kind of character um, changes did you start seeing when you got saved? Well, um, fidelity for starters. Uh, in my culture, uh, people don't get married; they just live together forever and have a bunch of kids. And, um, and we just, you know, you just call your, your girlfriend, your wife, you know, our mantra was, we don't fall in love. We stand in love because in case something goes wrong, you can always just walk out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And so that was the order of the day. And it was very common in, in the culture for, for example, let's just say we live in this apartment complex and this is no hyperbole. This is actual let's say we live in this apartment complex or we live in this housing development it is not uncommon for you to be living in one house with you and your supposed wife and a couple of kids and you have another woman um you have another woman a couple of streets over and she has a couple of kids for you and you have another woman in another apartment complex and she has a couple of kids for you that is that is normal that is business as usual and that's where the whole womanizing uh, culture came from. And that, you know, a lot of people get saved and they struggle with drugs and alcohol. Well, those weren't my struggle. My struggle was womanizing. Mm. And um, I remember, I remember praying, um, you know, I said, God, if I'm ever going to fall in any way, shape or form with my Christianity, it will not be on that altar right there. I will not die on that battlefield. And I made that promise like when I was a brand new convert because I was serious about my wife. My issue was that I've always loved her. I just didn't know how to love her. Mm. And so that created a lot of problems. So anyways, to answer your question, after I got saved, you know, uh, that was a number one thing. Um, the next thing, the next big struggle after getting saved was 
was submission to headship. My mm. days, my days, I had, I had such a rebellious streak, didn't like what, didn't like people telling me what to do. And men, much of that came from, again, my upbringing with all the rejection and the, by people that were supposed to be there to essentially guide. Well, they didn't. And I had to go figure it out on my own. And so I had a mentality that said, if I got to figure it out on my own, why should I listen to you? You know, any mistake I make is going to be on me. I'm not going to make any mistake uh, based on what you're telling me to do. And it, and that hurt and that hurt me a lot. I, I struggled a lot when I first got saved and trying to be discipled because I, you know, I was one of those converts that, you know, got saved and I came to church. I wasn't I wasn't one of those people you had to go, hey, man, I'll buy you a burger. You come to church. No. What time? I'm there. You know, I'm <laughs> one of those people that come. I have my Bible in one hand, my notebook. And I used to get so upset with song service. I hated song service, believe it or not. I'm like, this is a waste of time. Let's get down to the word. I just I need to hear the word. Why are we doing, what is this foolish singing? And I had a real issue with song service for like the first year, year and a half I was a Christian. And then, you know, I began to learn and, you know, acclimate. And it's not a waste of time, sir. It's all a part of the whole experience. And God's involved. And, and when I begin to learn, I... I um <laughs> yeah, I changed my attitude towards that. That's funny. Um, I I was wondering also about about your wife Vanessa because uh, you you get saved. What was her reaction to that when you broke the news? <laughs> when I broke the news to her, I was in I was in um I was in Israel when I broke the news to her, and she's like, "Well, that's good for you, but I don't want to hear that." Oh wow. This sounds like a challenge. Yeah. And um, the whole time I was on every port I'd hit, I would call her and I, you know, and I'd be talking. And then I start witnessing to her about Jesus. It got to the point. She's like, why, why do you, why you got to talk about church every time you call me? I mean, what's, can you talk about anything else? And, you know, when she asked me the question, I was kind of like, no, no, not really. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's all so I got it to was, say. Um, it was, it was quite difficult. Yes, yeah, it's what I do. And so that was kind of difficult. And um, and so, again, it, I, I, because of that, I, I, I got on pretty shaky ground before I came back off the boat because I was like, well, she's the, she's the reason I came to this church thing. But before I even got off the boat, I had fallen in love with Jesus. And mm. so, I'm, I, again, I'm, I'm scared to death because I'm like, if she's not into this thing, this is not going to end well because I'm, I'm not letting this go. And I remember praying. I said, God, you got to do something. You got to save my wife because if she doesn't, if she, you know, decides she doesn't want this or the, my whole reason for coming to you is shot. I said, but I'm not leaving you. I came because of my marriage. I stayed because I fell in love with Jesus. And so when I get, came back off the boat, she started, she'd watch me. I remember one time we went to a store to go buy some um, food. And I remember I gave the, the, the lady like uh, um, um, a $20 bill and she gave me back change and she gave me back $20 broken up in like tens and ones and fives. And, and I'm counting it. I'm like, wait a minute. She didn't take any money. So Vanessa goes, good. We got it for free. Let's go. And, um, and I was like, no, no, it's not right. She, her drawer is going to be short and, and she might get in trouble and no, 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 no. So I went back 
and gave the lady, um, I said, hey, you didn't take any money for the food. And the lady was like, oh, thank you. And she, you know, took the money. And Vanessa was just looking at me like, who are you? Like, what is that? I mean, you know, and it was just little things like that that she would see and realize wow. that I was serious about this stuff. And so long story short, January 1997, I came back off the boat December 96. Vanessa got saved January 97. And uh, this is after wow. we started going to Victory Chapel because when we first came back, I wasn't, we weren't, when I first came back, I was trying to find a church. And so I dragged her to these churches, you know what I'm saying? Uh, whether she liked it or not, coming. And um, yeah. And she didn't get saved and until after we got to Victory Chapel. So what was the story of how, how did you get to the Victory Chapel Church? So um, when, like I said, I was in the Navy. Right. So there's a guy that goes to the church in, in Normandy. His name is Yenswa Barkley. I had actually met Yenswa Barkley back in 93 in Tennessee. I was in my room playing music and some reggae music stuck his head in my room and, you know, and we became, you know, friends at that moment. We, 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 we split up. He went to Virginia. I went to Florida. Um, and so the last dealings he had with me, I was just raging heathen. Okay. And so, and he was too, just FYI. (laughs) So I'm down here in Jacksonville. I remember I came back and he, I worked in what they called AIMD. So the guys would bring the engines to my shop to be worked on. They worked on the flight line. So they worked on flight line. And when their engines broke, they'd bring them to me. So long story short, I'm in the shop working one day. And I, and I come out from under the engine and I look up and I see him. And I say, oh, there he is. I know that guy's not safe. I need to tell him about Jesus. And so I find out later on, he's on the other side of the engine looking at me going, oh, Look at that guy. That guy need to get saved. So we're both standing there and I'm like, and I'm like, you know, trying to generate up the strength to go talk to him. And he's, um, and he's generating the strength to come talk to me. So anyways, long story short, I get up from under the engine. I walk out there and go out and go shake his hand. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? We're trying to act like we didn't already see each other like 10 minutes ago and whatnot, you know? And um, and so finally he goes, what are you doing tonight? I said, I ain't got nothing going on. What you got going on? He said, you know, it was a Wednesday. He said, you're not going to church. You want to come? I said, you go to church. He said, yeah, I go to church. He said, you go to church? I said, yeah, I go to church. <laughs> so I went out. I went to I went to go. <laughs> I went to go visit. I think he, he I could tell it shocked him. He didn't expect the convo to go like that. So we ended up going to church that night. And it was awesome. It really was. I mean, um, I don't remember what Pastor Meyer preached on, but I remember I remember sitting in that chair going, man, this white dude can preach, you know. Mm. And um, and after service, the thing that got me was how many people we met. I mean, I'm talking to the pastor that blew my mind because the other churches I went to, you don't talk to pastor. Okay, when pastor's done preaching, pastor gets his entourage, he leaves the church, you Oh, 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 small person, sit to the side, okay, be blessed to be in his presence. You don't talk to pastor. And I'm standing here talking to Pastor Maya at the service. It was a mind-blowing experience. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And so, um, wow. and so I, I, you would think I would, would have decided to start attending the church at that time, but I did not. Um, it, was, it was really kind of stupid on my part. I was actually going back to the religious church, and what 
put the icing on the cake was one was Saturday. Um, a guy named Kenny Greenway stopped by my house to follow up, essentially. And that's one of the reasons why I am such a, a big follow-up advocate. He came to my house. Okay. He had no real agenda, per se, but just to check on me, see how I was doing. I met the man for 10 minutes on a Wednesday night. On Saturday, this man is at my house checking on me, seeing how I'm doing. And he was like, hey, you, are you planning on coming to church tomorrow? Really, I had no intentions, but after the meeting, I was like, yeah, I'll be there. And the rest is history. I've been coming to the church ever since. Wow. Wow. Wow, what a miracle. So um, so how, how did, uh, I think you mentioned that your wife had been stationed in Virginia, but uh, so she got relocated also to Jacksonville? Yeah, um, a buddy of mine that was in the Navy, um, his name was Quasi Kareem Dingle. And um, that's quite a he name. Said, he said, What? Do, oh, yeah, tell me about it. He said, What are your plans <laughs> with your girlfriend? I said, What do you mean? I said, um, We're going to get married. We're, we're probably going to get, when she gets out, she has a year left. She'll get out next year. We'll get married and come down here. Reason he asked me because I would fly her down. It was expensive. She'd fly down every weekend or I'd try to drive up. It was an expensive excursion. And so he said, He said, You know, if you marry her now, the Navy will move her there or move you here um, and you guys can, you know, file for a thing called spouse co-location. I said, that's a thing. He's like, yeah, yeah, you could do that. So I, it was Memorial day. And so I said, Hey, you get on a plane and come down. We're going to get married. <laughs> and she was like, okay, sure. I'll, I'll do that. that. Sounds ro- romantic. And that's how we ended up getting, you know, all romantic and everything. <laughs> so she came down and it was, and that's why we're, and that's why, you know, we're married. I'm, I'm, my, my my anniversary is the 27th. It's actually coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. And so she came down. We got married, went down to the courthouse. I do, you do, we do, we're good. And um, and so shortly after that, they moved her down. And so the 28th, the 27th, rather, of this month, we we're going to be celebrating uh, 28 years of marriage. Wow. That's amazing. Um, So when yes, you... When you got saved and you were you were still in the navy, uh, did you have um, the? Did you feel like you needed to get out of the navy at that time to, so you could serve God better, or, or what was your thinking on that? Okay, um, from the from the moment I got saved, I remember the first time I saw a guy standing behind the pulpit because we had a we had a decent fellowship. I think a lot of those guys on that boat were saved. Many of them even today are in churches, not in our fellowship, but they are in churches and serving God. Um, and I remember the first time I saw a guy standing behind the pulpit and he was preaching. And I remember looking up at him and, and saying, you know, I'd like to do that. That looks like, like it's good. And I remember the thought wow. was like, this thought crossed my mind, like, yeah, yeah, you could do that. And I just kind of smiled and let it go. Never, never revisited it the whole time I was on the ship. I even tried my hand at some Bible studies, tried to, you know, to in, in witnessing. I mean, I've been saved a whole month. God, God help me. And I'm trying to like, you know, <laughs> hold Bible study and stuff. And, you know, after it kind of failed, I just kind of humbled myself and just went to church like I should have been doing in the first place. And so um, I remember when Barkley brought me to the church, he said, you know, our, our fellowship, man, we, 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 we do evangelism and we do um, um, discipleship and, and church planning. 
I said, church planting. I said, what's that? And he's like, well, you know, you and your wife, if you feel called to preach. And when he said that in that moment, I remembered that moment on the, on the folks in the boat. Mm-hmm. And it sparked my, it's, it's, it got my attention immediately. And, um, and so we went in, you know, had that service and what have you. And, and fast forward now, I've, I've been saved now. I'm, I'm being discipled. And now it's re-enlistment time. And um, God spoke to me very clearly. Get out the Navy. I want you to stay mm-hmm. here in Jacksonville. Plant your life here with Pastor Meyer. And um, this, wasn't, this wasn't no guessing game. But I didn't want to get out of the Navy. I just had my first child. Uh, the, I don't care what these guys say. The money was good. The health insurance was awesome. Um, you can't be free. <clears throat> and um, I was scared, essentially. I did not want to lose my security. And I am freaking right. out. I did not want to do it. I tried everything to to stay in, in Jackson. To, um, to, to, uh, to, I try, I'm trying everything because I called my detailer. I gave him my NEC. And he said, um, oh, you're 6420. He said, Virginia Beach. I said, no, 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 Virginia Beach for me. I want to stay here in, in, in Florida. And he got mad. He said, um, you're a 6420, and either you go to Virginia Beach or get out of my Navy. I said, okay, well, all right, all right hang on now. And I said, I'll call you back. I got some time. And um, God's beating on my chest with this thing, man. I'm like, God, I, you know, I even got an alternative NEC trying to work it. And um, called my detailer back again, gave him my NEC. I said, I'm a, I said, I'm 6420. He said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, Virginia Beach, we need you guys up there. Critical NEC, you got to go. I said, well, what about my 84, my 8432? I do buddy stories. He said, no, that's a secondary NEC. You go with your primary and Virginia Beach. I said, come on, man. I got sure duty. He said, either you go to Virginia Beach or you get out of my Navy. He told me that just like that. Wow. And I said, in my pride, I said, well, fine. But I, I was scared. I was heartbroken. My chief was like, because at the time, after I got saved, a lot of attitudinal shifts happened. I became I became useful, if you know what I mean. Um, I was a good mechanic. I knew the F-18 engine very well. Um, matter of fact, I was one of the better ones in the shop. And now I had seniority in the shop. And, and not just seniority, it's been, I've been hanging around. I know the engine. So I was one of the better mm-hmm. mechs in the shop. And my chief, you know, he, he, I remember he was looking at me like, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I said, oh, man, I'm talking big talk, Adam. Oh, God's going to help me, man. Everybody knew I was a Christian going to church. I'm talking big talk, Adam. I'm going to tell you the truth. When I when I exited that back gate and I made a ride on 103rd Street, my heart sunk. What are you going to do? So it was it was scary. Wow. But, you know, wow. I, I, I did. I did. I did trust God. I said, I'm getting out and. Had a guy who was going to get me a job at a car dealership. I was supposed to be making time $14 an hour. I ended up making eight. Ouch. And so the journey began just like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that, that's uh, not a small thing to put your life in the in the hands of God, not knowing where it's going to go. That's the that's the Abram move, right? I'll, I'll show you when you get there. Yeah. reached the end of the preview of this Testimony Tuesday episode. If you want to hear the second half of this interview, please use the links in the show notes to subscribe. You'll get daily sermons, full testimonies, 
and an interruption-free listening experience. And every dollar goes to world evangelism. Thanks for listening to this episode of Testimony Tuesday on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon Podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.